Welcome to the Art Grind Podcast. This is a podcast run by artists for artists where we talk about what it means to be one. I'm Tun Yai, the producer with our host Dina Brodsky and Marshall Jones. This is being recorded between our many jobs and side hustles. We bring you in-depth investigations into the lives of artists we admire and the stories behind the creative journey. So stay on the grind while we fill your mind. Welcome to the Art Grime Podcast. I'm here with Dina Brodsky and our guest today, Tony Sirenai. Yeah, you got it. God, you can't you can't imagine how my name's been butchered over the years. And I'm like, uh, so any anything anybody says, I'm like, yeah, that's it. Tony, thank you for being with us. And for those of you who don't know this work, so Tony is an amazing artist. He's an educator, he's host of it's a, it's a wonderful suggested donation podcast. He began as a graffiti artist and went on to work for Disney and then proceeded to become a contemporary realist painter. Tony, thank you. Do you want me to try to mispronounce your name? Yeah, can you try? Kuranash. <laughs> well, yeah, that's all right. I mean, you're, I mean, your background, you have a little bit of the like Eastern European thing going on, right? So were you actually born in the old country? No, I was born in New York, but I'm first generation. So, you know, I grew up speaking different languages and just having, you know, that cultural thing that, you know, it's not. First generation is the person that does the immigrating. First generation of people who were born here. Really? That's the way I understood it, at least. (laughs) I hope I'm not like, I'm first generation, like for like my life, people are like, do you know what that means exactly? I'm like, yeah, it means you're born here. They're like, no. I'm pretty sure. Wait, so what am I, Generation Zero then? Uh, well, like, your kids, oh, but you came here really, you came here really I young, came right? I was 10, right? I thought I was first generation because I came. I guess, I mean, yes, I guess because you were a child. So maybe that's it. But I, I was born in, in the States, but my family's from what was the former Yugoslavia. Yeah. Okay, I'm zero. Marsha, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my family goes way back to here. <laughs> oh, you're like a like a son of the revolution or something like that? Were you here on the Mayflower? It's like the first people who got yeah, here. Yeah. My name's Marshall Jones. <laughs> yeah, you look it. I mean, just, just I mean, I can see you and I'm like, yeah, you look like you're you, you're like that first boat. Yeah, over. exactly. <laughs> Marshall, did you guys does the Joneses come off the Mayflower? Is it is that it? Damn near. I, I don't even know. I mean, it's enough to where and I, I realized that moving to New York, that people's background is uh, like, they'll talk about it in terms of where their family's from. Yeah. And it's just like, Ameri- like I have no roots anywhere else, but just the United States. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you're Americana. You know, I thought when we were talking earlier, we had, you know, just to, you know, mess with your audience before the the record button was hit. We had an awesome conversation. <laughs> so I might be referring to that conversation at some point in, in a kind of secret code way. But we did talk about a hat you were supposed to be wearing that Dina told you to not wear because she thought it would be distracting. And now that you say that, I would love one of those like Mayflower hats and the whole garb. And I look at it and I'm like, kind of put my finger over it. I was like, yeah, I would totally fit on your face. If you could just see my buckle shoes. <laughs> buckle shoes would be awesome. And, t- and like long socks up your calf muscle. <laughs> Those are my people. Listen. <laughs> hey, uh, Tony, so while we were talking beforehand that people missed out on, 
You said something that I clued in, wrote down, and I just want your opinion on it because you just, you sort of glazed over it. But why do you think art matters? You said art matters. Oh, that is. Just a bit, like, just to, in, in, in reference, the kind of what I think we were talking about is that we were talking about, we were kind of just talking about us having podcasts. Like, it's, it's funny for me to be on this side of the table now, you know, as opposed to being like, <laughs> But we were talking about why we even did the podcast, like, you know, and, and when Ted Minoff and Jay Braun and I started Suggested Donation Podcasts, that we were like, we're not getting paid for this. We're, we're actually spending money to do this. And people were like, why are we going to do it? Because I remember talking with Ted and we were like, just, it, it, we, we'd have these amazing conversations at openings where we'd go to the bar, or we'd be hanging out talking most of the time in our studios by ourselves working and we would you know have headphones on and talk about life and art and what we're doing because uh the thing is as corny as it sounds and it you know it's a lifestyle like what we're doing isn't like a job i mean there those moments a lot of the times when it's like god i gotta go to work meaning i gotta go to my studio and work but like, you don't leave it. Like people are like, oh, you know, they do their nine to five, Monday to Friday, and then they're out and they don't think about their work a lot. Like we don't do that. I know a lot of artists that I know that we don't have that luxury to like leave work behind. When we leave the studio, we're thinking about work. We have families and we have a, you know, a lot of responsibilities, but there's always this like in back of your mind, you're thinking about art, you're thinking about work. Was it good? Was it bad? How you become better? So it's a lifestyle. Like it's not, it's who we are. It's in our, we're wrapped up like that. So when we were talking about doing the podcast and we're like, well, why are we making art in the first place? Cause we, you know, we, what you were saying, we, we think it matters and everything, but we are like, let's add a little bit more to what we're doing. And let's like, maybe take some of these conversations, tape conversations and, and put them out and just let people maybe experience a little bit of what we've had the, uh, you know, uh, experience, which is to talk to people who are interesting, people that we think are interesting, p- people who are doing cool things, whether most of the times it's painters and sculptors and art- artists in general, but it's like people doing things that we're interested in, that they're, they're, they're kind of all in with their, what, what, what they're trying to express. So we were like, let's just do that. So when we were talking, when I was saying art matters and why and people would be like, why are you doing that? and, and pay, paying money to do something like a podcast, it's because we're like, because we really care about this thing. It's not like a job, even though, like I said, there's those moments. It's, we're all in and we care deeply about what this thing is, art, whatever it is. And I do, and, and not only do we care about it, but I actually think it's vitally important to, to, to the world that there's art happening at all times everywhere no matter what the culture the the trend whatever's going on at the time like it matters so deeply that there's art being done all the time like i don't think we can survive as a any society without art happening and you could see it i mean i'm not making this up or anything like you could just go back in time you history is filled with no matter what like when you even as extreme as it can get go to like cave drawings they weren't getting paid, you know, to, to do that. They weren't like trying to be famous. They were like, well, I just need to do this thing when they were telling their story in that sense. So when we were talking about like art mattering, like I, we joke a lot and like 
we, we goof and we try to make each other laugh and, you know, and it's so fun to be on like podcasts and do podcasts and make, but it's like when you boil it all down, like we're really, really, really serious about trying to create something beautiful and leave it in the world regardless of how it's going to be um, accepted or not accepted. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it does. Because culturally, it seems like a dilemma that a lot of artists face, a lot of artists who would listen to this show, you know, a little more traditional, a little more slow art, painting, sculpting, things you mentioned, is now it's a lot of fast art. It's digital, it's TikTok videos, it's all this stuff, which I think is all art. But do you you see that as kind of... impinging on the impact of something like a painting, like one of your uh, still life painting, like you do, do you see that threatened by where things are headed? You know, in the beginning, I thought, I thought it might or something like that, but you know, I'm as much as there's so much negativity out there, so much of it. And I don't want to like, I don't like to be part of it. And I don't like to add to it at all. Cause I think, you, that idea of like creating creating a world that you want to live in is important by doing that, by making good stuff out there and just putting it out there. I think that you're kind of fostering or sort of planting the seed of, of like whatever it is, beauty, cool ideas, whatever. Throw it out there, just like let them grow. You know, you just kind of throw them out there randomly, let them grow. So that was like, oh, this is a bad thing for people who, like you were saying, slow art or what, whatever whatever type of art you're into. But I don't know, because there are times when I get on and I think there's so much negativity, so much bad stuff out there, but I'm always surprised by how clever some people are. So so it's a hard question to answer because I have my ways and I'm not that old, but like you kind of get stuck in certain ways because you're like, I think I'm really serious about this one way of thinking or, or just this idea, this philosophy. So when you see a lot of stuff out there that is so the opposite of what you're doing, you're like, oh, we should just like, uh, it's going to ruin it all. And I'm like, maybe, but there, it might just make another avenue that some people would be good in. That might not be for me or for you or for, I don't mind. I think at one point in the past when I was um, maybe less mature that I was just like, no, you can't, you know, you can't have that. It has to be this. And then I think the thing I want mostly is just to have, you can have that as long as you have this also and this and this and this, and people are cool with that. Do you know what I mean? It's like you want to have different spaces and all of them, hopefully like, you know, I would love it to be like all of them are really, have all the integrity and all the like little boxes that we would love to check as far as like, they're awesome. But I think, I don't think you're going to stop people doing one thing. I think it, the best thing to do is just build something beautiful and have a space, have a place for people to go to and be like, well, you know, you can do that. That's cool. But I, uh, here's this other thing that's really cool also. And you should check it out if you think it would be cool. If not, if it's your thing, cool. If not, it's all good. But yeah, that's a, it's a tricky one because, you know, there's somebody can debate or, or, or say something and, well, could this actually be destructive? And I do think there's at times the ability for things to really, you know, you know, whether it's like nihilistic stuff or something, like to really break stuff down. So it's, it's, it, 
it sort of sullies like a, you know, it, it kind of, it's like putting a bad ingredient in a, an otherwise a wonderful stew, you know, and the stew meaning it could be a whole bunch of different things. But if you put something bad in there, it's going to kind of spoil everything. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a hard one to, to answer. Are you saying that bad element is what artists are creating or like the reception to the art that's being created? I don't know. This is like one of those like roads that you're going to get down where you're like, oh, I know better than every, I don't know. You know, somebody could say, it's, is it the artist that's, you know, some artist is creating something that, you know, is, oh, that's bullshit or something. I don't know. Is it bullshit? Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's me. Or is it the, um, is it the, you know, the, 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 the structure that holds that, holds that and, and, and feeds it out to the masses and says, this is what you're going to like, and you're going to like it. And everybody agrees or something like that, or, or they're force fed this. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the, if it's the machine or if it's the people making it. I've heard both and both made good arguments and bad arguments. So it's just like, I'm not probably, I'm not smart enough to, <laughs> to like. By the way, Tony, we kind of like jumped right, right into this. No, I know. Right, right into the middle. God, you guys don't waste any time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. So I meant to ask before you became. You need to scratch first. Painter of these like beautiful gem-like paintings. Uh-huh. Were many other things. And I feel like I might've actually first heard of you as a graffiti guy. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, that, that story is, it's interesting because um, I think at the time I was, a lot of people when I've like traveled, I've been fortunate to travel the world to do things like graffiti stuff when I was doing a lot more graffiti stuff and meet a lot of kids or people from all over the world who had completely different cultures, but there was like a similarity in who the type of person we were or an upbringing, even though it's completely different culture that they were like, Oh, you kind of thought outside the box or you did this or you skated or you like this type of music or, or something like that. So, you know, I grew up in the, in the suburbs and there was just that, and right outside of New York city, like a train right away, I can just jump on the train and be in grand central station in 20 minutes. But, uh, when you're a creative kid and there's people running around, you know, in your school and you're drawing and, and books and people are like drawing my book and they're doing graffiti. I was like, Oh, this is cool. It's something creative. There's no rules. It's kind of punk rock and, in, in you know, in this kind of raw way. So I was getting into like just this ability to be creative. Uh, and that was kind of at the time graffiti. And so was that your kind of your introduction to painting? No. So the, the thing is, is like, I was always drawing and painting. So, but I didn't know what really proper drawing or painting was. You were just like copying comic books or you were doing cartoons or something that, you know, was very easily accessible when you're, you know, a kid in the late 80s or something like that. So um, a lot of that was just like drawing characters, drawing people, um, so then when graffiti came around, it was, uh, it was just a, a fun way to take that creative uh, um, idea, apply it to something. And then eventually when you get a little bit older and there's like that adventure part of it where you're like actually going out at night or doing something, you know, illegal or, <laughs> or, or something and, and going out there and actually doing it and just seeing what happens and trying to 
actually take a, a wall in the middle of nowhere, a dilapidated wall, a beaten up wall and try to make it kind of beautiful. So in a we- weird way, as I got older, I sort of saw a little bit of the same philosophical idea. I know this is like a stretch to some people, like what does graffiti have to do with what you're doing now or something? There was this go out, nobody's like, you're not getting paid for it. You're not, you're just going to go out and try to figure out a way to make something really cool. And it's a visual thing. So you go out there and make this like blank wall. Awesome. And that same drive, that tenacity to like, got to go do it almost at obsessiveness to go out there and risk it all was kind of the same idea that I sort of followed when I was like, I'm going to be a fine artist. You know, because again, I did ping pong a little bit, but I was always drawing and painting. And I think it just all, all boils down to, I was able to draw and paint. Different mediums, different materials, but I was making marks. And that's the thing that I was kind of interested in. What were your expectations on becoming a fine artist? Uh, did you think there was going to be a place for you? Did you care? Did you just want to learn how to, put paint on? What was your expectation? Expectation? We had none. (laughs) I think in the beginning when you, I'm trying to kind of go to my young self, like talk to my young self. In the, like when you would go to school, like in high school or something, I didn't know any better. I just know I wanted to be an artist. So you go into like, you have to be an illustrator. So you go to school and you learn how to be an illustrator. I think I went to check out fine art programs at different, you know, you know, programs around and um, they just weren't for me. I could tell that I was like, I I don't think I'd be happy here. I wanted to actually learn how to draw and paint. Again, back to even the graffiti thing, there was a certain amount of, um, sorry, a certain amount of skill that you had to get to be noticed or to be taken serious in this like cutthroat world of graffiti. And there was no rules and it was, you know, it, it was, it was, it was pretty gnarly. So that same idea of like, I want to learn how to go draw and paint, I ended up finding that most of the places that would do something like that would be like an illustration program at so-and-so school. So I would go there. And then at that point, I was like, well, I guess I have to be an illustrator. I guess that's what you have to do. So you go through that program and I'm like, I'm going to be an illustrator. Because a lot of the stuff I liked at the time would be illustration. I mean, that's what I was introduced to, book covers, comic books, whatever. So you go there and do that. So the the expectation at the time was to be a professional illustrator. And I think that's great because some of my favorite artists were some of those golden age of illustrator artists, like, you know, Norman Rockwell's and J.C. Leindeckers and Howard Piles and all that, like, that greatness. And But through them is how I found 19th century painting and then 19th century painting earlier, you know, 18th and 17th century painting. And like the door, <clears throat> the doors would keep opening and I would keep kind of being curious and going down the rabbit hole and being like, oh, so if this person liked this, this is the one that that person liked, an older artist. Oh, and that person liked this artist. So you'd go down the rabbit hole of influences. And I think you get a little older. And at this time, I like graduated college and I was working for MTV making um, uh shows like animated shows like i got into animation because it was like another avenue to be you know to have a to have a job 
as an artist and also to, like your job is I get to draw and paint. Cool. I'm all in. So I was doing that. And then from there, I kind of worked for Disney. I not kind of, I did for a while. Um, all the while I'm still being that still having that curiosity to go out there and find more things that are interesting to me to eventually find out exactly what you want to do. And, and I'm still figuring that out. Meaning I still don't know what that is, but the rabbit hole is I'm going down trying to find the thing that is most me. And like anything else, like even in the beginning when you're doing paintings and you're like, okay, I guess I have to be a fine artist. I didn't even know that was like that's something you can do. Oh, you can go show at galleries and like try to make a living that way. And you could paint whatever you want. Somebody's not going to tell you, hey, this is the movie we're going to work on. Here's all the stuff you have to do. So once I started like finding that independent voice in my head, which again goes back to that initial young kid just trying to do the cool thing without having any rules or anything is like, well, I'm going to go down, I'm going to follow this path, which is just independence and whatever that means. Um, you know, you, somebody can argue like, you're never independent. You got to deal with galleries. You got to deal with, yes, yes, yes. But the idea again is that I'm still trying to find my way. And I think that's an ongoing thing. You know what though? I, I feel like that shiny thing that we maybe like see at the end of a very long tunnel and then go maybe maybe it's a shiny thing at the end of the rabbit hole like it never gets lost really no and it never ends and it never actually gets less exciting no i remember the first night that i spent drawing and just deciding that like this is what i want to do for the rest of my life there's like a moment that you remember that you were like like an epiphany? So, well, I, it was very memorable because I had that moment. It was at three in the morning at UMass Amherst, like drawing the self-portrait. And then I went for a bike ride, trying to keep myself awake so I could do the next self-portrait. And the bike, you know, I lived at the top of this hill. There's one car on campus and it was like crossing the road towards the bottom. And as I was going very, very quickly down the hill, I pushed, pressed the brakes to well, to stop. To slow down because <laughs> you're hauling ass. Yeah. And then it turned out that that bike that I hadn't ridden for like a year no longer had brakes or no longer had working brakes. So I had that one second of like, okay, did I crash in the car or did I make myself fall? And I made myself fall. It was like one of these like cartoon accidents. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like a battered mess and I limped up the hill. I was just covered in like blood and, you know, and I sat down at that self-portrait and I was like, I'm going to finish this. <laughs> <laughs> I earned it. I, I spilled blood on this one, man. I'm going to finish this. Like after that night, I was like, this is just what I want to do every day uh, for the rest of my life. And, you know, it didn't happen like quite that way, but I tried. No, but I mean, it's it, it's funny that you. I agree that 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 you know that tunnel that you're talking about that it never goes away. You're right. That's also the kind of the evil part of it. But the absolutely most amazing part of it is that you'll never get to that thing, whatever it is in your head, that finish line. There is no finish line. I was just doing a, a workshop pretty recently, an online workshop. And we were kind of talking about something similar to this. And I was like, yeah, like the good thing is that you're never going to run out of things to work on. Like you're never going to, not, not to like be discouraging and be like, you're never going to be as, as good as you think you are. But it's like, there's always more stuff to do. There's always more stuff. We don't have enough in our lifetime to like fill with stuff that you're going to do. 
that's awesome. But it's also like, oh, that shiny thing, that but the thing you were talking about, like it's always out of reach, but you're always going for it. So it keeps you going. I know right before we press record again, <laughs> record, we were talking about, you know, the, you know, going, going for, going for something or, you know, and it's just like, no, well, you just. <laughs> wait, 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 Tony, in that much more interesting conversation that we had before we pressed record. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> but like, it's like, it's an on, it's an ongoing thing. And, and I think that's great. And it's also it can be frustrating because there's, there's always going to be a higher goal, always. And I think that's beautiful. But you also have to be sort of wired to accept it because some people need to have like the finish line. And the good thing for us is that we can have these like little moments that are like almost like um, uh, little, little, little tidbits, almost like tidbits of finish lines. But and, and generally, it's just like you achieve something really cool and you move on. I've been thinking a lot about this and I wonder if, if the goal for like a painter or whatever, isn't so much product, it's just like self-development because I think that there's something superficial and a little hollow about just chasing like a, a great painting. Cause there's been billions of them and yeah. They're, they're kind of cheap, like they're a little easy. And I wonder if the real, the real goal is all those micro steps just towards developing your own personality and integrity and character along the way seems to be, because some people really, you know, like, what do you do it for? What, what, does this work in the world? Is this important? It's like, yeah, it's important because it develops me. You know, yeah. I don't know a better way to develop than this. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Um, let me think about that because I, yes, but I also think you, when you're this, when you're talking about like developing yourself, yeah, you're 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 using this to create the you know who you are on this in this world, and like I'd like to think, and I agree with you about the chasing. Because I think we do it regardless whether we want to or not. You know, I think we're, it, part of it is like the chase is part of it though. I think you need it or else it's like, well, then why do it? Like you kind of need, like you, we can sit here and think about why we do it and we can come up with some really great ideas or, or, or philosophical ideas of why to do it. But I think you need, you kind of need the gas in the car. You know, you need to have that fuel to keep you moving forward because there's a lot of times when it's tough. And we, every artist listening to this, I don't care how successful you are or how good you are or not or something, like it gets tough. It's always going to be tough at times. And to, if, I, if I'm going to say, well, I need the chase then at this moment to push me through, then that's what it is. Or if it's something where like I need this to better myself as a person, as a father, as a, you know, as a, a citizen, then that's what it's going to be. Meaning I'd like to have multiple places where I can pull from to keep me going. To, and, and if it means that it's like this goal of doing a great painting, even for a selfish reason, then so be it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it at that time because I need to move. I need to keep going because like it's easy. It's, it's easy to quit. It's easy to be like, this is too hard and I'm just going to go do something else. 
especially in this world, in our like kind of modern society where you're expected to have a nine to five job. Um, this is like check all the boxes, like, you know, when check all the boxes of like what you're supposed to do as like a, a normal person. And this is what you do, you know? And it's like, well, you know, I'm not that person, you know? And, but if I, and I, but I do need to move forward. Like it's not, I'm not so confident as a, in myself that I'm like, oh, I got this man. And I'm just like, I don't need things. I, I have a clear vision of where I'm going because I don't. And anything I can use to keep me going and hopefully, uh, again, like I do feel like contribute to the world and my small insignificant way, then that's what I'm going to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like so self-motivated in this really beautiful way. Like you were talking about your podcast and talking, you were like, most people I talk to are interesting and I couldn't agree more. And I think there's got to be something about what we do that only that draws people with good intentions to some degree, because it's not like uh, being a actor or something with potential for an enormous payoff, you know, like fame, fortune, all those things are kind of wrapped up in that. You could see yourself on the front of us weekly or something like that by pursuing different things. And it's a bunch of people who have chosen to do a very weird thing that will not really get recognized. Yeah. And kind of going into it, knowing that, I found the same thing. It attracts really interesting people who have fairly good motivations, like you were saying, to just keep moving forward, sort of this this motor inside you that pushes you to the next thing where no one else is pushing you towards it. I, I, you know, one of the other things about the podcast is part of it, as much as like I mentioned before with Ted and I and, and Jay getting together and saying, hey, this would be really cool just to record some of these really awesome conversations. It's, it's like one of those where if I were to call you, be like, oh, I had this conversation yesterday with so-and-so artist and it was so cool. And we talked about this. And like, when you try to relive it, it's like, uh, it sounds really <laughs> interesting, Tony. Yeah, whatever. I was like, might as well just, you know, record it and put it out. You had to be there. But, yeah, you had to be there. But part <laughs> of, another part of like, even wanting to do the podcast for me was selfish. Like I want to talk to interesting people to make, you know, make not me better, but like interesting things that I'd be like, huh, I didn't think about that. Like, and it's not necessarily entertainment for me. It was more like, because I wanted to learn or I wanted to get an influence or I just wanted food. Like, it's like, it's just like feeding. We're in our studio, like, look, we're in our studios a lot by ourselves. And we were just joking again before we hit record about what it's like to be in our studio by ourselves, you know, as, you know, introverts, you know, and, and I know by having the podcast and being in, like, I, like, I am an introvert, you know, people are like, no, you're not, you're an extrovert because you have the podcast, you could talk about, but I was like, no, it's, it's a forced thing that I have to do. I have to practice. It's like uncomfortable when I have to do it. It was like, what a better way to like make yourself uncomfortable by just forcing yourself to have to talk to people, you know? And might as well talk to people that I want to talk to who I feel are interesting or have some, something cool to say that I can learn from or just take it as like, like, like I said, like food where I'm like, oh, I'm going to like, I'm going to, that's like 
food for the soul or something like that. So, um, so that, you know, one of the reasons of not only having a podcast is just like, but there is a sort of selfishness in what we do too. Like even time-wise, like I'm in the studio and and a lot of times I just want to be in the studio working or just thinking about stuff or, or like experimenting with stuff in the studio, which is getting harder and harder to do, which is always unfortunate because I do think a lot of, you know, when we talk about moving forward and doing the next thing that's going to push you and whatever that is, I don't care what it is. Like, like don't live, you know, it's like grab it and hold on to it because, you know, it kind of comes, comes and goes by doing things like experimenting in the studio. Sometimes it gets you excited to get up and get back into the studio the next day to be like, Hey, I'm not going to, nobody's going to see that, but it was interesting to me. And I can't wait to see where this might go. So a lot of, I think what we do too, is just, you know, at least for myself is pure, uh, pure curiosity. Can I do that thing? Like let's, whatever the painting is that I'm going for. Can I execute it the way I see it in my head? I rarely do that. And I think that's a pretty common thing with most artists I know is that they rarely get the painting that they had in their head. It might be good. It might be a version of it, but it's never that abstract, perfect, perfect, perfect painting. <laughs> Far from it. But it's like whatever, you know, again, whatever you can do to, to, to sort of start, start the engine. Um, so if you're in the studio experimenting and you get like a cool moment, like that's just a little bit more fuel and curiosity to get back into the studio and kind of move forward. Do you guys ever have painting dreams? Like dreams in which you're painting? Most of the time I'm like naked running around and I don't know where I'm going and I have no shoes on and my teeth are falling out. But no, <laughs> every once in a while, uh, I you are falling out our anxious dreams. Yeah, <laughs> well. I had a painting dream Bingo. last night and all my painting dreams are kind of like the same. But I have two categories. I have the one where my hand just forget, forgets how to do everything. Yeah. And that's more of like the horror version where, you know, like the zombie is about to get you and you realize that you've frozen and can't get your knife. Yeah, um, that, or like you're in the mud or something and you, and you can't run fast and you're like, or you can't run at all because you're yeah. sleeping. But the, the other version, the kind I had last night, was when you're painting something so good that you actually like can't do it in real life. And then you wake up and there's that few seconds where like the painting that you're working on that was much yeah. better than anything that you've ever done is slipping away from you. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, I've heard of idea, you know, the, the idea of putting a notebook by your bed and, and writing down notes. And I've done that. Like I would always have like a little notebook and try to fill in ideas. A lot of times I'm like, I'll remember it. I'll remember it. And I never do. Um, I, th- I think those are rare for me, but if you're having those dreams, I think that's awesome. And if there's a way to sort of jump into that world and, and at least take down notes, because you never know, I, I, I'm sure you get this a lot with people, you know, with students or people who, you know, who want to talk art, they're like, you know, where's your inspiration? Like, where do you get your inspiration? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't wait around for it. I just like a work. And if it comes, hopefully I'm aware enough to grab it because sometimes it's right in front of your face and you don't even see it. And I think there's a skill in an art and actually training to do, to be able to recognize what could potentially be something that's inspiring. You know, honestly, I'm actually totally with you on inspiration. I don't wait for it. You don't wait for it. Sometimes. It's like, that's like a, that's, yeah. That's like waiting 
to hit the lottery. You think you're going to just wait around to hit the lottery? No, yeah, you work. You know, it, it, I, I think those dream paintings, I'm just technically much better than I am in real life. That's all. I'm not more inspired. I'm just, you know, a, a much more proficient painter. Yeah. But I mean, at, at the same, you know, when, when I was saying before about like the painting that you have in your head and fully awake is never, it's again, it's like, it's, it's an ideal it's not even specific. Like at times I have specific stuff and Ted would make fun of me that at times I like to, to get that out. I'll like go like manufacture stuff on my own to build this thing. Cause I like, I like to, I work from life. So I'm always like building these things to like create this like world so I can like paint it or something like that. And he's always goofing on me, but the idea is like, I can't get it out of my head. So there are times when it's super specific, but again, it's an abstract idea. And the abstract idea is always going to be um, like an ideal. Now, the thing that I've noticed with that, are there are times when it's so abstract in my head that it's more of like, it's a feeling. It's not actually a visual. It's just a feeling that I'm going for. Now, it, I might associate a visual with it, but it's just a vibe I'm going for. I'll set something up and I might not have hit the visual uh, uh, or even the vibe, but I got something out of it that I didn't expect. And a lot of times they're like, oh, you know, oh, Tony, you're like a realist or something like you're a classical realist. I think in the beginning I would say yes, because I didn't know what else to say. I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, or you're a still life painter. I was like, not really, but okay. I'll, you know, I'll take it. I think I'm just, a lot of times with like, let's just say still life painting. We'll use that as an example. People are like, oh, so now you're a still life painter and you paint really tight. And I'm like, I started realizing that I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm actually doing it because I'm trying to go for something and that just happens to be, be the result. Now, to get the result that I wanted, I guess I had to like practice and try to develop a skill to be able to kind of creep around this idea that I'm going for. So a lot of what I'm trying to do is it's an idea and the result happens to be this thing that you're putting a name to. I don't know if it's that anymore. Like the older I get, the more, you know, or the more mature as an artist I'm getting, the more I'm like, I, I'm just going for something and I don't know exactly what it is. It just happens. The result right now, currently happens to be what you might call realism and or very, very tight painting. It's just that because I'm like exploring this thing, and even if it's something as as uh, simple as the surface quality of an object, well, I'm just trying, I'm curious, and I'm trying to explore what it is. I'm not trying to put this lofty idea of beauty, although I think beauty matters, and I think it's an important thing to think about. And, you know, I think a lot about that, and I don't have an answer, but I'm like, I, I know it matters. But, but, I'm just trying to explore this, this um, let's say just as an example, this surface on this object in this bigger picture of this abstract idea of a vibe I'm trying to go for. I hope that doesn't get too confusing, but what ends up happening is I'm spinning a couple of plates. And as I go deeper into this thing, the result happens to be, let's in this case, realism or you know, contemporary realism. But I think that's just a result of what I'm sort of, going um, um my actions and and the only thing is like the, the 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 tricky part of it for me personally was that if that's what i have to do then that means i have to kind of develop a skill 
by doing it over and over. So I can kind of go down again, not to use the, you know, the expression a lot, but go down that rabbit hole. Just, I'm just going to keep going and see what happens. What do you think is the, the bigger thing that you're going for? I don't know. Uh, um, I'll say this at times when I thought I knew, um, I end up not questioning it, but revising it. And the older I get, like obviously big moments, you know, um, whether it's success, you know, having big success at times and or a failure at times, um, that on top of life stuff, you know, they change what I thought I knew, you know, a, a giant one, like the big, a big giant one is like having, a, having kids that changes everything. All of a sudden, what I thought I knew, I was like, I didn't know shit. But what ends up happening is then I like my ideas change and I was like, okay, everything has changed. But the further you go, the more I kind of came back around and said, not all my ideas are like, there's actually truth to even pre kids and after kids that like is still true. I just got, there was like a shock. There was like a moment where you're like sort of shocked by reality or something like that. Now let's take that into the studio. Um, If I have moments where I just, I did a great painting and I'm really proud of it. Like, that's great. But then you have those failures that it's not the painting you you want. Now you could say, well, are you going for big paintings all the time? I mean, uh, successful paintings, yes. But as a learning tool, I don't know if like being successful all the time is the best thing in my goals. Maybe I need to have a lot more failures. So as I'm getting more mature, I'm starting to realize like, have I been making myself too comfortable with skill? Have I been you know, setting up things for, for success, you know, for my like moment, the success in the moment, or do I need to be more uncomfortable to push me through the barrier? You're saying it's too, it's gotten too easy. Is that what you're saying? No, because that, I mean, that sounds like, like I'm saying, like, it's too easy. I'm too good. Like, it's not that (laughs) I'm wondering if I, um, without knowing, been setting things up for me to always have these like little moments of like, oh, I can do this. I can do this, which is great. You need that. But I also, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize that I think I need to be more uncomfortable at times with my own work, which is because I don't know about you, because I know a lot of my, my colleagues and contemporaries and even stuff I read about with artists I admire from the past and present that there is this like, I'm trying, and again, this is going to go back to what we were saying earlier, is like, I'm trying to go for this thing and don't exactly know what that is yet. To break through the, sometimes those barriers, those walls, those plateaus, because you have those moments, you'll do something and you'll like, you'll, you'll jump up. Like if you're looking almost at a, um, like a scale, like the, the scale jumps and then you plateau because you're, you're riding pretty easy. And I just started realizing that I, think I need to, you don't want to always make yourself uncomfortable, but I think I have to almost train myself to like force myself to like take chances, to force myself to do the things that I might not be so good at, you know? And, and I wish I say this a lot of times to students because I'm like, I wish somebody, and I'm sure they did. And I was just probably wasn't listening, but like, it's good to be uncomfortable because it means you're in a place where you're like, you're, you're, you're going for it. You're working at it. You're trying to figure it out. You're like, 
you know? So, and I think um, the older I get, the more I'm starting to realize, like, have I made it too comfortable for me? And do I need to sort of spice this thing up? Because there might be failures and I need to be okay with failures. Because I think, again, when you start putting the rest back into that stew, you start putting in real life situations, like the way we're living right now. It's like, I have a family, I have all this stuff. It like failure is not an option at times, you know, but it's like, I need to figure out a way where it's okay. Not going to say 100%, but I think you need to, I think you need to eat it every once in a while before you can get up and dust off and say, I learned good stuff from that. Maybe failure can be an option part of the time, right? If, exactly. If you have kids, you can't, you know, no. you can't no. fail the same way that you otherwise. Yeah, you can't like spectacularly fail <laughs> to the point where you're like driving this thing flaming in fires into the ground. Honestly, I actually feel like I'm failing so frequently with various small child related issues. Painting is almost a safe place I go where I'm like, yeah. all right, all right, my oil paint is not going to have a tantrum at me. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we say this? We fail up. So you fail going up. Like you're getting better. You're getting, you're getting more sensitive. You're getting um, more open you know, your, 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 um, all your, your facilities are becoming more, more uh, aware of things. That's what I think sometimes some of that, like being uncomfortable is, is that you're becoming more sensitive. You're becoming more aware of things and also aware of like maybe where your slight weak points are. And if it's a weak point that you don't care to explore because it doesn't matter, then then it's not important. But if you think it's, if you're being honest with yourself and you feel like it's a weak point that you think could really benefit who you are as a person and who you are as an artist, like go for it. And I think that's something that has been in the last at least couple couple of years that I've been, I don't know if the word is struggling, but thinking a lot about. And those are those times when we were talking about like, you know, when I was saying like, you don't leave it in the studio. It, when, when I say that, it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, um, now I got to paint that shirt, you know, really well, or that, that vase really well. Sometimes it's something like this, where you're sitting at night, you know, staring up at the ceiling and you're like, you know, how am I going to be a more thoughtful artist? How am I going to be a better artist? How can I say what I'm trying to say better? And what the fuck am I going to say? Because one thing I've also known as being somebody who, you know, cares deeply about skill is, you know, I like skill. I like practicing it. I like getting better at it. I like to see that I'm getting better at it. That's one cool thing about skills that you can see it. It exists. You can see the results of it. It's not like an abstract thing anymore. It could be an abstract idea. You can work on it like in real time and physically, and you can see the result. So there's that back to that moment of like getting fed, like having a cheap little thrill, you know, a little moment of like a finish line. That's a little moment of the finish line. I did that really well. That pushes me forward. So at night, it could just be something like that. And, you know, and those are could be those moments and you'll doubt yourself. If anything, one thing I've learned that was um, kind of nice actually is I've had the luxury and the fortunate ability to talk to some really smart, awesome people on the podcast and just in life um, that I'm, you know, admire and, and just like really deep thinkers. 
And one thing that I've found that is a very common trait with people that I admire is that they sort of feel like they're all full of shit. As, I mean, they could be the best at what they're doing. I'm like, man, you are the furthest thing of somebody who I think is full of shit. And they're like, yeah, but I feel like it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, I've come across a lot of people who just feel like they're a fraud. And I'm like, but you're like the ant, like, I feel like that, you know? So it's like those moments at night where you're like, am I a fraud? Am I like just talking shit? Am I doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing? I don't have the answers, but you know what? The journey is part of this whole thing. So it's not just about the skill that I'm trying to develop, the, the, the great painting that I'm trying to do, you know, that, that fine, like the greatest painting ever, you know? It's like, yeah, that's this abstract, fun, shiny, you know, shiny thing to chase after. But like, I don't really know what that means. And, and part of this whole thing of chasing the shiny thing is the journey. I think one thing that I thought was really interesting, you know, I'm because I get into like a lot of detail and and especially lately, like all the paintings having, you know, underlying meanings and and a lot of it is symbolism in what I do now. Although a lot of people are like, oh yeah, it's like a gumball machine on a thing. It's painted really, you know, really well. And I'm like, yeah, but actually there's a lot of like personal sort of symbolism that it's like my therapy, like things that I'm dealing with, whatever that is, you know, in it. So you see it as a gumball machine, but I see it as this like story that I'm like dealing with stuff. So, you know, when I, when I do that stuff, it's like, when, so I'm always like interested in the end result of it also being, and let me add, let me add to that. Also it looking great because I have like standards that are my standards that I want it to look fucking beautiful when it's done, you know? And that could be part of it is like, I, you know, yeah, we want some accolades. We want people to say, that's a great painting, all that stuff. But I was talking to a couple of um, artisan people, artists, not necessarily painters, but people who are like artisans, really, really, really smart people. And they were like, do you enjoy the journey? You know, do you enjoy the process of it? I go, I do. They're like, but do you enjoy the process as much as you love the the result that you're going for, especially the ones that you like. Let's just say the, for it, when it comes to us, like the painting that you love, like the one that you just were like, man, I nailed it. Did you enjoy the journey? I was like, yeah, it was pretty hard. There are times when I was like, oh, you know, the hard part of the paintings and oh, getting up and they're like, um, try to end each part of the process at a point where the end part of this, like, you know, whatever, 20% of, the way through the the whole this whole idea that when you end at 20% there's a point there where you're like I enjoyed that that was great it's beautiful like the journey was beautiful not just the result and I was like I have to like try that you know so I don't know about you guys but for me once a painting is done it's just like out of my I mind move on yeah I care deeply like during the journey and then some things feel like a fight. If I'm really lucky, I get like 10 minutes where it feels easy. Yeah. But overall, like I love all of it and I care deeply and then I finish it. And then the next day it's just like, okay, like moving on. And I might never think about that thing again. That's really interesting that you say that because I'm I'm the same way. And even though the the journey might at times be like, oh, this is a pain in the ass, but I'm enjoying it, but it's a pain, it's a pain. And then you finish it and it's the painting, hopefully you kind of want you know, again, not the perfect one that you had in your head, but it's like, it's, it's good. It's satisfying. Yeah. It's amazing when you, you know, now that you just brought that up, how fast 
I'm ready to move on to the next one. So I don't know what that means. Like maybe I enjoy the process more than I thought. And I do. I just thought it was very interesting, the the suggestion that every part of the process hopefully is like this great, satisfying thing, as satisfying as the result end result, although that's kind of hard to do. I think it's like, I think for some people it's compulsion. Like I, I don't really have highs or lows or easy times or hard times painting. It's just compulsion. It's yeah. just like, you just go do it because it's, it's that space that you, that you're used to where things work out, where you have a little volition in these spaces. Yeah, that's <laughs> legit, man. I, I mean, somebody who's way more poetic and, you know, than me would be like, well, I would be like, when you said, I'm like, yeah, I get that, man. I fully get that. Like I could strip away every sort of like, you know, artsy fartsy talk and say, yeah, that makes sense to me. So yeah, there, that's part of it too. Like getting up and I know this, when I go to the studio and I haven't started something or I started something, I'm not necessarily feeling like working on it or I'm in there doing something else. I just need to be in the studio. Like I'm meaning, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like there are times when I just go to the studio and I'm not working on a painting. I'm not making anything. I'm just there because I'm like, oh, I just kind of need to be in there. I don't know why. I'm just here. I'm like looking around. I'm like checking my email or something like that. But I just want to be in. And that's that, that like for me, like that compulsion of just being like, I need to be doing something. You know, I know with like one of the, um, you know, with COVID and everything going around and how horrible it's been for you know, two years of just like, that's like so much of what we're thinking about that it kind of took your eye off the, you know, the, that prize that we were talking about that, that, like that unattainable prize. Like one of the things outside of like the gnarly part of it is like really getting sick and not being able, like, like, you know, being afraid was that I don't have two weeks. I can't be like, I need to be in the studio. I need to be, you know, trying to do something. I cannot not do something for two weeks or something like that. That was something that was like, again, that was the least thing I was worried about. But again, it was like, it, it was there. I was like, I need to work. I need to be doing something. By the way, so as someone who just had COVID, it was a month. Yeah, my daughter has it right now. So you'll probably get it too, but I, I mean. No, I, I skirted it. Like, you know, Keanu Reeves and like the Matrix. Like, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of going... It's been eight days and I'm like, I'm still good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, that's like, so again, that what you were saying about the compulsion thing is, yeah, there's part, there's part of, there's an obsessive compulsiveness of it. And I'm not saying it like it's healthy or it's not healthy. It's just part of it. And I think you need to actually have that to do, to actually not only survive as an artist, especially the type of art we do, which isn't like paid gigs type of stuff, but there has to be an obsessive compulsiveness and to get up and go do this thing. It's kind of crazy when you start, when, you know, when people boil it down, like when I talk to people who don't do what we do, who might be like a, you know, somebody who just works in finance or something like that, I don't know, whatever. And they're like, so how do you do that? And when I explain it to them, they're just like, to them, there's just like a foreign language. And I'm like, yeah, I know when you say it back to me, it does sound crazy. It sounds crazy, but it's just like, 
you know, back to what you were saying, uh, Dina, when you were like going down the hill on the bike with no brakes. I mean, that's a perfect analogy about what we're doing. Like we're going into this, the other analogy is being on a tightrope with no net. Like you, you have, you have to almost do that. You have to go all in. You have to commit or else it kind of doesn't work. So like if you have a, a safety net or if you have those brakes, are you going to get the ride? Are you going to get the, like, the exciting ride that might be disastrous at times? So it's like you kind of need to do it. You know, I, I was actually just going to go with the bike analogy, uh, not with the no brakes thing. I stole it from you. I, I used to do a lot of long distance bicycling where I just go from like one country to another country. And I, I feel like painting is almost like that. The destination doesn't really matter. Like you, you just wind up at the airport anyway, eventually. <laughs> right? home. But it's everything that you see along the way and, you know, the people you meet and the things you draw and like that cup of coffee and like a coffee shop in the town square and that bird you heard, like all of that is the part that matters. And I feel like painting is the same way. Like the destination is. Well, I, I mean, just yesterday I was, I made, and this is going to sound kind of, but hear me out. Like I was, I made pizza for the, for the kids. You know, I got this new pizza oven. I'm super excited about it and everything. But like, you know, Ted's like this too. Ted, like we talk about, you know, what do you guys talk? You guys talk about art all the time? I'm like, not really. <laughs> we talk about like pizza and all this other stuff. But like I was, you know, for a week, I've been thinking about the dough and like making it and then letting it, you know, you know, ferment a certain way and then having it bulk rise like in the fridge for like several days. All so we can just have some pizza. You know, you can just go to the store and get some pizza. But the idea was like, I wanted to make this thing. And then like, I wanted, and it was like a, it's a pain in the ass. It takes like four days to make like a one, like beautiful pizza. But it was like the experience of like making the dough and like touching it. It's like, like you were farming, like you're for like, you're working the soil, you know? And like, you're like mixing it and everything. And then the result is what you want it to be. Like, hopefully it comes out perfect. It never is, but I was like, you know what? That's pretty good looking and it tastes fantastic. So like, it's that, again, it's that whole like journey thing that was like made it worth it. And that's like why I would do, why wouldn't you just go get a slice of pizza at the store? One, I'm in Dallas right now and they just have shit pizza. But like, <laughs> besides that, it's just like, it's making it. You're, you know, you're either a better parent than I am listening to that or a better person than I am because I feel like I've never- I'm neither. <laughs> that much time making anything that can be consumed, mostly because my kids are really picky and don't really eat. Yeah, my kids are the same and they don't care about it, you know, but, it, and, it, and I wasn't necessarily making it for them. I was, I'm hoping by doing these things down the road, they'll be like, I remember when I was like, whatever, dad used to make me pizza or something like that. But a lot of it was just for me. It was my self-satisfaction of being like, can I do this thing? You know, this thing that I like, can I do it? You know, and again, take the word pizza out, put, put something else in, put in the word artist, put in the word. I'm, you know, it's funny. It's like right over here. You can't really see it right now. I'm making my own um, uh, uh, drafting table. I can just go buy an okay drafting table, but I just wanted to try to make one. I don't have time to make a drafting table. Why am I even doing this? And, and what ends up happening is you're spending probably as much money 
making it than you would if you were just go buy a nice drafting table. And the time actually costs more because of the time. But I was just like, I'm just, I just want to try to do it. I want to try to make this thing and I'm going to try to, and it's not going to be good. There's like all kind of messed up parts of it already. But I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Because in a weird way, as much as I always try to, with my paintings and stuff, trying to make it, you know, again, I'm putting up the, the air quotes. You can't see me, but putting a perfect painting or like ideal or like make it perfect, paint it perfectly. Like that's my goal. And I'll try the best I can to do it with all skill that I, that I, I have. It never is. With this one, that said, one thing I also have to, like, this is a, a lesson for me. Like my drafting table is pretty good so far, but there's definitely some like, that's not that good. That's like a little off or that's a, it's going to teach me. When I look at my paintings, which is like the main thing I like care about as far as like personally outside of family and all the other stuff, like, you know, what I do with my hands is it's going to teach me that it's okay. You know why? Because the painting that I did of like the surface of this vase or this cup or something or this person that I'm painting that has all the imperfections is the whole reason why I'm painting that thing. I don't want something that looks perfect when I'm painting it. I might try to paint it perfectly to what I'm seeing. But the reason why that object is, let's say in a still life, fits the story I'm trying to tell, or I'm just painting the object for the object's sake, is because there's imperfections in it and there's something beautiful about it, or it's weathered, or there's something, this thing has had a life. You know, a lot of times with still life, they're like, well, you know, why do you paint still life? Or why do you paint those things? Outside of what I said earlier, it's also because these objects, they have character. They're like people. The ones that have more scars and more um, dents or more imperfections are like little versions of people's lives in a way that we all have our great moments and our little scars and stuff like that that were that are that have healed over, and then we move forward. How important is those, are those stories to you? Like. You said that there's a story behind what you're doing, a narrative in the still life. It's like how- Sometimes. Sometimes. I'm sorry, let me add this. Not all the time, because sometimes it's like, oh, I just want to paint this thing. It's really cool. It's interesting to me. Back to what I was saying. The story is that object is cool and there's something and it reminds me of something. I'm going to paint it for that. And then other times I'm like weaving a little story that's like interesting in my, in my twisted little head. It just might not look twisted. <laughs> Would it be something that the viewer could pick up on, maybe should pick up on, or is it just just guides you painting? Well, that's a, an, it's a good question because um, you know if if they didn't get exactly what I'm talking about or feel like, then did I fail? Um, that's a legit uh, question, but a lot of times what they might not see it's like it's not their fault because it's like in my head so it's like it's like so then is my painting successful i don't know what i try to do is i i my um in this case like the net that i talked about that we don't have i almost try to put in a, a safety little safety check for me by doing a really hopefully striking looking painting so sometimes the painting's subject, maybe the, the end result is just like, I just want it to be a great looking painting. Cool. I think there's nothing wrong with that. If anything, there are times that I'm like, I get that. That's awesome. 
You know, somebody does a painting, it's like, yeah, I did it because. And they end it there because. And I'm like, that's awesome. And then other people would be like, because I'm trying to say this thing and this is what it is. If I get that, awesome. That's, that's kudos to the artist. And I think it would make the artist feel that much better. But as an artist, I also think a lot of people would be like, but as long as you like the painting, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that. If somebody doesn't see this little story I have going into my head, that's fine. That's for me. If they see it, cool. But a lot of times, if they just see it and they enjoy my painting, like that's enough for me. Like that's satisfying. One of the best compliments I've ever gotten from a collector was I didn't buy your work because I think it's going to be worth anything. You know, it's like I didn't buy it because, you know, you're some, you know, graffiti legend guy who's known for this skateboarding dude. Or he was just like, I just wanted to look at it every day. And I was just like, you can't get a better compliment than that for as an artist. He's like, I'm happy to get up and see it every day. And I walk by it and it makes me happy. Like he wasn't looking into it. I don't, he didn't like, uh, uh, at the, at least at the time he didn't, you know, go down a, a deeper meaning or anything. He's just like, I just enjoy looking at the painting. And I think that's really important. Now, if he, he might see something that I didn't see as a story because he's bringing it to his experience and his life. I don't know what his life is. He doesn't know what mine is. I don't know what anybody's life is. They might see something in your painting that the artist didn't see, but it pertains to an experience they had. So you can't cater to the world in that sense. The best I can do is just try to do something and put it out there like we were saying earlier and hope in hopes that people will like it and maybe see something special in it for them. And the, 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 the icing on that is, is that maybe they saw something I saw or I, they saw what I was trying to say and it, and it makes either them happy or it at least interests them. I think in general, an audience to an artist is a kind of a strange relationship because it's like almost if something has mass appeal, right? That's sort of an indictment of that art form. It means it's really appealing to the most generic of all of us so that we could all agree that it's something. I, I don't, yeah, but if something has mass appeal and it's coming to somebody who's like, an, you know, came from the underground, you know, like in music and skateboarding and graffiti and all that, that really unmass appeal stuff. Like I was always like more of an underground person. Um, but as a, as a, you know, but why at times does something have mass appeal? And there's something interesting in that. I'm not saying we're going to do it, but at times I've thought like, why is this thing, why did it hit the mark? Or why did it like hit that chord that everybody's like into? And I think it changes, but there's something about that. Like a hit song might not be for me, but like, I'm not going to deny, like, I get it. Why somebody would say, you know, that's a catchy tune. But it probably just, I mean, to some degree, it was familiar enough and it didn't throw enough surprises and was pleasing and unoffensive enough to get, you know, 
but maybe through just enough surprises to get people hooked. Mm. There's, this, there's this Russian song that I, it was popular when I was a teenager by this Russian band called Time Machine. Now that's fun. mass appeal. <laughs> <laughs> Got us all. I remember that. <laughs> the Belarusian Time Machine. <laughs> The refrain was, you, you can't bend yourself towards the world that changes all the time. Yeah. Like, let the world bend towards us instead. Not only that, but if you're bending towards the world, by the time you bend, it's moved on. Meaning, if you're trying to stay with the trend, you're too late. Yeah, basically, it's not going to work. I, I remember having these conversations where, you know, me and Marshall used to work, and every once in a while, someone would be like, why don't we just do what this really popular artist is doing, and maybe we'll make tons of money. Because it's to too it. late. And I was always thinking, like, because we couldn't, actually. Yeah. Like, it looks like what they're doing is easy, but they did it at just the right time with just enough marketing and just yeah. enough luck and all this stuff. We couldn't, we basically, we couldn't sell out and make a ton of money. Yeah. I know people are like, yeah, you should sell. I'm like, even if I wanted to sell out, which yeah. I wouldn't, like at this point, I'm a lifer. I'm like, I'm too old to sell out at this point. But like, even if I wanted to, I'm like, I don't, how do you do that? I don't know how to do that. Like if somebody said, hey man, you're talented, you could do this. You could sit, you could do, you should be doing all. I was like, what does that mean? I wouldn't even know where to begin to sell out. Like it's like, if I was a musician or like, why wouldn't you just like make, you know, just be a, a big pop artist. I was like, I think a lot of people would be like, how do you do that? That's not easy. But I think we can only really make the kind of art that we make. Exactly. And every once in a while we get lucky and it strikes a chord in someone else. And maybe we get really lucky it strikes a chord in a lot of people. Right. But I think yeah. the people we think of as sellouts, like that's just what they do. They want to be doing that thing. And and they're all in. Again, they might be all in. And for all the sellouts that you might see or somebody who's in, you're not seeing the 98% of the people who failed and didn't become it. You only see the, 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 the very, very tiny amount of people who are able to break through and whatever that is. And the other thing, you know, you, you're talking about luck and you're totally right. And one of the things when we start talking about, you know, the, the reality of working at what we do, luck actually matters. Uh, it, it's part of it. It's not the thing, but it's part of it. And then I started, well, like, if you got to be lucky, well, you know, I've just figured if you work really hard and you're just pretty honest about it, you'll probably be a little bit more lucky than if you didn't do that. So even though it's part of it, it's, it kind of goes hand in hand. I feel like, you know, if you're pretty honest and you work really hard, I just said this, but you'll be luckier, I think, down the road. <laughs> like you don't wait around to be inspired. Again, I say that because... You know, again, people are like, well, what do you do when you're not inspired? I'm like, I get up and I go to work, man. Like, you got to get up and you got to work hard. I mean, look, I've met a lot of really talented people. And I met people who are less talented. And the super talented people don't work hard versus the slightly less talented people who work their asses off. The, the slightly less talented people who work their asses off do better. Always. So hard work is really, really, really important. So you don't wait around for inspiration. But what I was getting at was I want to start training myself to be aware of inspiration. You know, like you don't wait for it. And sometimes it might be right in front of your face and you, and all of a sudden you just let it, the possibility of inspiration might've just gone by. Um, one of the things that I know that I've been trying to do again, kind of more recently is, oh, you're not, you know, you talk about us being artists and everything I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then I started to think about how much of that is my lifestyle. Like from the time in the studio, like in the studio and not. Like, do I, do I live an artistic, creative life? And it doesn't mean that I have to be wild and like everything around me is like insane and, you know, colorful and everything. But it's like, I think what I'm trying to figure out myself, been thinking about this a lot is like, I feel like everything I do should have at least have a thoughtful, like be creative and, or at least I think about it. Like I want to create the world, my little bubble around me that everywhere, everything I do is like, thoughtfully done or like creatively done. I'm not saying I do that, but it was something that I'm thinking about. Do I live and do I live a creative life? Like when I get up in the morning, I'm not saying you have like, again, being wild, but it's like everything I do, am I doing it creatively? Am I teaching my kids to always be creative, to like have um, not, not only be rational, and but also just be like creative, like think outside the box type of thing. And it doesn't have to be extreme. It could just be all day long. There's moments of like that. So I'm trying to figure out, yes, I'm an artist, but am I living an artistic life outside of the studio too? Because I feel like if I do that, that it will translate to me being a better artist in the studio. Well, I I think it does. And I think that's what's so beautiful about we were talking a little earlier about going into the studio so much. And I think when like that idea that you're working on yourself, you know, a painting is a byproduct of this journey working on yourself. Like I think we've all seen during how political things are getting right now. Oh yeah. And I am so outside of that. And it's because in a way, like there's something sacred about the studio. It's a place that you go, you have your thoughts, you think about things. And we're very lucky to have that space, no doubt. But I think when I take who I am in the studio outside, I know that I think about things way different than, than a lot of the people I encounter. Yeah. That just have a lot of anger and rage about like, oh, this person had their mask on, this person didn't have their mask on. Just like, all this stuff that I feel I've, I have a, a, a way to process that stuff that's really gratifying to me, that doesn't feel so polarized, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just from being in rooms, thinking about stuff constantly. It makes you, it's almost like there's something sort of, you know, in a secular way, but sacred about that space we put ourselves in constantly. I think it's important to do that too. And and I'm going to be general right now, like very generalized, but I do think that artists tend to be pretty sensitive at stuff. And I think it's just part of it. We need to be. That's how we see things. That's how we're able to uh, actually maybe perform. You know, what we do is that we have a certain amount of sensitivity and we take it in and hopefully it goes through your head, out your hand, whatever that is. I do think that that, and the reason why I say this is because I know people who are artists and that stuff that you're talking about, not specifics, but that noise, whatever it is, and we're all susceptible to it. I am, we all are, is um, if you're almost like... 
when, when I t- say sensitive, we're almost like, like antennas, lightning rods to stuff. If you were to take that, it really can like dis- disrupt that studio. So I do think it's important to kind of keep the studio sacred. You know, not to say that, you know, when I have kids or guests here and they're like, we're like talking loud and not that even, and I'm not saying 100% distraction, no music going, I got to focus, but I mean like that sort of frustration and we're all, I'm as frustrated as the next person at a lot of stuff that's going on in the world, but it's, I try to really turn it off when you're in the studio because it affects us because we are, and again, I'm being very generalized at the the way the way we're the way we're uh, we're wired as artists is that we're very sensitive, and I think it shows. It can and it's and it's like it's like it's it's raw. Like it's like you know we're kind of naked. It's it's part of our it's part of what we do. One thing about being a fine artist, especially that makes it that people probably don't know about that you know who don't do what we do is that you're naked. Like, it's not a team of people saying your movie sucked. Yes, the director might get it or the actor might get it, like, focus. But it's, like, hundreds of people doing all that, you know, working on that. Or it's, like, a company or it's a program somewhere. It's me. And that's – I'm the one to blame and I'm the one who's going to get the accolades or I'm going to get the – you know, I'm going to get everything. We are naked. So if somebody's like, sees something we do and they don't like it, they don't like what I did, not what the team did, what the company did. So it's like it's already tough enough to know that like when you're doing what we do, that it's like, yeah, you're going in this with that faith of like, I'm going to like hopefully not get, you know, we're sensitive, but like we also also have to have like a thick skin. I know that sounds like two like contradic- contradictory things, but it's like we exist in both spaces and it's a hard thing sometimes to like juggle. But I think that energy is captivating too. I've noticed in it's my It's important life. to have, you need it. And, and you bring that out into the world and people are, are drawn to it. You know, there's something... Uh, compelling about it that is i think it could be so compelling and so subtle at the same time like for me a lot of the art that i really like that i'm a big fanboy when it comes to art like i love other people's art i'm such a fan of like art people's stuff and it's not necessarily what i do i like a lot of stuff people would be you know like you like that i'm like i love that you know i'm just like i like being an artist but i'm actually like i really love loving other people's art so, you know, um, fuck, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I had something that I was going to go for. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dino, you were about to say something. Well, what I was about to say is that it's crazy how much of a privilege it is as an adult to be able to block out the noise of everything that you need to do and everything yeah. going on in the world for, you know, even a few hours. And like, do you guys remember that, you know, being in school, but I remember in grad school where you would paint 12 hours a day and then I would find an all night coffee shop and try to paint like another four or five. Yeah. yeah. Um, And it was the most important thing in the world. And like, like, it was all I thought about and kind of it was all I did. That time 
where that was the most important thing in the world. Like, I feel like I haven't had that in ages. Well, yeah. I mean, that time thing is, is that's just going to be a factor of our lives now. Like the, the inability to have the time that we want. Like I know with like students and I remember back being at like, you know, Water Street Atelier back, back in the day. Um, and that time that I took out for myself to be able to do like a cast drawing, like an academic cast drawing and spend weeks on it, you know, like I'll, I can never do that again. Like I don't have that time to sit and just say, I'm just going to study this cast and unless that just becomes my art or something like that, but like that, that time to sit as a student, I mean, we're always students and everything. I, I get that. But like to sit for weeks just to do a cast drawing or a cast painting, or just study a model in front of us for so many hours, like that's, that's a luxury I don't have anymore, you know? And I do say that to students. I'm like, cause it was said to me and I didn't know what it meant. Um, this time is really important. Um, like almost like love it and take it all in because you're not going to have this opportunity at some point, like you get out and you become a professional artist and all of a sudden you're selling paintings or you're showing or whatever. You don't have that luxury anymore to say, I'm just going to take off for two months and just do this one study, this like, you know, this do a, this study of something. It's really hard to do once you're the kind of, you broke free of like that, that's that point in your life when you were studying. But being able to go in there and just shut all of that down for a few hours is, is also completely. It's, it's luxurious when you the can best. do that. It's the best. And one of the things also when you're able to do that and then you get lost in your work and that's becomes increasingly hard to do is when you lose the time when you're painting in my case, painting or drawing, when you lose the time and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, it's like, it's way later than I thought it was. Then you got to, you almost like snap out of it and you got to be like, oh, I got to go pick up the kids or I got to do this. I got to make dinner or something like that. That, yeah, those moments are tough, but man, when you get there, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, to be able to just lose yourself and lose time. It's like you time travel. And you know, all of a sudden you like you wake up and there's like the good thing with what we do is because again, it's always like a physical um, result. Like there's evidence of that time traveling is that when you snap out of it, you look and you're like, look, there's work done in front of me and, and it exists. Because look, I, I this isn't, you know, this it's, it's again, kind of corny, but there's something beautiful about it is a lot of what we do, it, it's just like... A, I'm looking at a blank canvas and there was nothing there. It was blank. And all of a sudden there's something there. Like that, there's there's something unbelievably amazing and spiritual about that. When you think about painting, like there was nothing there and now something's there. And it might cause a reaction, hopefully a good one, in somebody else. It might inspire it might make somebody happy it might just spark something in somebody that didn't exist until i you know me in my case did something like i did something alchemy it was like alchemy and then all of a sudden there was a result and you know that that that's 
stuff I think about sometimes. And, and as much as I'm like, I don't want any responsibility for anybody because I'm not, but at times I'm like, well, oh, maybe I am responsible to like try to do good stuff. You know, sometimes I think about that. It's like, why do I, why does it matter what I do? Cause no, because of the noise we were talking about, you know, all the, the whatever politics or whatever, because it matters. And back to what we were saying, even at uh, uh, when we first press record, why, why why art matters? Because that matters. Because nothing was there. And then I did something or you did something and it got a reaction out of me, hopefully a good one. The thing I don't want to do, and this is me personally. And again, you know, back in the days, maybe I would have been a little bit harsher. But now I'm just, you know, a lot of, if we want to talk a little bit more about like the art world and the art world we exist in, the bigger art world we exist in, you know, you get a lot of these artists who are like, I want to challenge you to this. I'm going to do this, you know, this work and it's going to challenge you to to look at the ugliness of the world and everything. I'm like, I, I, okay, I get it now. I get what you're trying to do. I don't care for it. I think back then I used to be like, fuck you, you know, but now I'm just like, yes, you can get a, I don't want to be challenged anymore. <laughs> you know, like, stop challenging me that type of art i i don't i don't care for anymore like i don't for me personally i'd rather just do something and like if i'm gonna get a reaction out of somebody hopefully hopefully i hope it's a good one it's not like a challenging stop challenging me <laughs> do, do you have any examples of no. no i'm being very general about like a you know <laughs> general but i i I seem to get i seem to get that a lot where you're like the artist is challenging the person to see something in a nothing space like there's nothing in the room but they're challenging you to see something in the room and i'm like oh like i heard recently god this pissed me off actually somebody like you know we talk about like making a living as an artist and grants you know we weren't talking about grants but that i think there's people who get grants to make their art I've never had, I've never done that. But there was this like pretty recently. Are the people that are challenging people to say the nothing and the something in the room. Is, is there the one? Yes. Who get the grants, you know? And one of them was like this artist got a grant to do like three canvases or something like that. And they gave them, it was like a significant amount of money. And they, um, they gave them, I don't know if it was, I don't know who the artist was. They gave the artist uh, money to do, I think, three canvases. And then the artist handed in three blank canvases. And the name of the canvas, and the name of the canvas was take the money and run. <laughs> so that was like, and and then and then the artist like was like the challenge the viewers to like get, get, you know, get it. You know, like you see what I did? That's the art. And I was just like, all right. I'm out. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. We, I can't we do also it. see that he's an asshole. I, I'm, yes, to me, but I'm like, I'm just done even saying that. Cause I'm like, I just, it's not, it's just not my world anymore. You know what? It's just like a one-liner. Yeah. But a one-liner could be great. <laughs> you know, like one-liner could be like, man, that just floored me. It was so clever and so good. You know, you know a while ago, I That's saw not good. Metro pictures and it was called sperm and it was a bunch of, animal and human sperm in various places. And the thing with sperm is when it dries, it's apparently completely transparent. So you couldn't really see anything. It just had, you know, blank walls and Metro Pictures is a huge gallery. So it said, you know, sperm of a blue whale or sperm. You said Metro Pictures. I was like, what movie is this? <laughs> oh, it's uh, the gallery. My, no, you know, no, okay, yeah. The sperm of like an airplane pilot. 
um, except it was just a blank wall that was kind of like warded off. And I, I like went through this whole thing and I was like, like it, it's a one-liner. And um, but, you but it's also art about a material. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, not to say that if I find a pencil or I did something to a piece of paper and I got a result, I wouldn't be like, ooh. But it, generally when I do something like that, it's because I'm like, ooh, how can I use this to make something um, and apply it to something that I want to do? A lot of art, um, a lot of art is about the material, like the arts, the material. Hey, I found this metal and I and it and I and it did this, which could be fine, but a lot of times I I don't know if I necessarily want to make art about materials. Um, in the sense that like, hey, I found this thing and I and this is the art, it's the object. I I mean it could be thoughtful and cool. But I see a lot of that and I'm like, oh, you're making art about materials, not necessarily art about like your thoughts or something like that. And being general, being kind of shitty right now. What it felt like to me is someone being like, you know, I am so clever right now yeah. and I will get all these write-ups and everyone will admire how clever I am. Well, let me ask you this. Let me play, let me play how, if you were the artist, put your head into that person's the artist said, and I asked you like, how, how are you being clever? Like, I can't think of how I would answer that. Like, how do you think an artist like that would answer? I'm, you know, that, like, how are they being clever? I'm challenging people to see something and, you know, sperm, which is transparent, but I'm writing down what it is. Do you and see how much difficulty you're having? Like, <laughs> say, like, I don't understand how people can't, like, don't see, like have difficulty describing, you know, you know this, you know, when you see um, uh, um, the type of art we're talking about, the one that has like, really doesn't really have any substance or anything. The word salad that you, when you read the CV about it or something like that, like the word salad, it's like, it's a run on sentence that makes zero sense. And it almost is done on purpose. It's an art. Like I know people who it's an art. They do it to like twist you around so you don't actually understand. What you you're... need like a PhD in order to like disassemble threads of the word salad, or maybe they hire someone. But no, who... not even a PhD because if you were to look at the bare bones of it, it doesn't make any sense a lot of times. So even like somebody who's a very good writer or a very good reader or anything could read it. A lot of times I've read this and I'm like, it it's just it's going around in circles. It's a, it's like they took a bunch of words, shook it up in a bottle and like spilled it out <laughs> in a verb, like just take any verb, put it there, put, take any noun, put it there, make a run on like cut sentence with some, with a little bit of structure, just so it doesn't sound like blah, blah, blah. And it's just like a lot of times I see that and I see, you know, I see a lot of that out there, but I, I've, again, that's that noise that sometimes that used to bother me a lot and it still does. I'm trying to not, be bothered by it because it again back into the studio that it it can affect your work you know See, i think that's what i where i'm at because i'm not as hard on that sort of art as you guys are like i i think it's all our immortality projects like whoever did the sperm on the wall was internally as excited about it or had the same stories about their grad school and how they worked hard on ideas and stuff. But you know, Marshall, I actually- Wait, hold on, hold on. I refuse to believe this. Yes. Well, let me finish my thought. <laughs> I'm gonna take over this podcast and just have you guys go at each other. I think that it's all a little bit of marbles, right? Like, 
Have you ever been around someone who played something that you're not that into, like marbles, right? Like they know the insides and out, they know which marbles are good and which ones work, and they want you to be excited about their marbles. And you yeah. kind of are like, oh yeah, that's that's cool. Like, I'm glad you like that as more the the reaction as sort of like all their families, like, hey, he's getting really good at marbles. That's great. And I think at heart, we're all just marble players from Aang to the guy who throws trash at the ground to where There's a big difference though. Let's just say, let me run with your analogy. One of the things about the guy, the person you're saying who's like really great at marbles, is that if you're going to be really, really good at it, there's a certain amount of skill there. That is just, that's, you just get really good at it. And the reason why this person might be so into the game is because they spend a lot of time perfecting it, trying to be great at it. That does not imply your... And they want you to see that same, like, passion. That doesn't imply your interest in marbles. Like, why are you still supposed to be more interested in that guy playing marbles than that guy fencing? It's just... It's all just what someone's doing. Yes, you're past their life. But again, the common thread that you talked about is if somebody's really good at fencing, it's because they are really they spent a lot of time developing. I'm not saying it's the most important thing, but the common thread of a lot of what I see, and this doesn't just go for art. It could, like you were saying, fencing, music, writing, doing anything, snowboarding, skateboarding, whatever. Uh, it's because there's a, a lot of times people would get so good at it because they spent so much time developing their expertise and being amazing. The skill that they are is so amazing. That's a common thread, I think, is like important to think no, no, about. No, because, because arguably that guy was a sperm show, spent a ton of time developing the expertise that it took him to write, like the, you know. The, the- no, see, that's the reason why it doesn't. But I think I also think skill's the easiest thing to come by in a trip. Okay, okay, that's okay. The, so that's, me, the, that's the guarantee. For me, art is like it's a visual experience, right? And the sperm show, it's visually bland. Right. Um, I would have thought a lot more about the sperm show than a lot of art shows I've been to, for sure. <laughs> Why? Why? It's because it's like because it's like ridiculous or kind of crazy. Would you say that because you're just like so? I went to this show. <laughs> exactly. This, We're talking about this sperm right now. All over I the mean, place. that's sort of a catalyst for an art conversation where we, you know, <laughs> if you practiced in those spaces, you would see it. I think it's all. All of it's a little emperor's new clothes in a way. It's just people are in rooms, learning about things, talking about those things. If you've been in those rooms, you kind of get it. If you're not, you might feel a little alienated from it or disinterested. Disinterested's great, like personally disinterested. (laughs) There's no, there's no, that's a fine thing to be, but I just find that it's like, we're all just on these little quests. (laughs) <laughs> whatever comes out of it is pretty interesting. <laughs> I mean, we could think about a lot of stuff that I'm like, I just can't think of anything more uninteresting in, in that ever. So <laughs> maybe, but... <laughs> to quote or misquote Hamilton, like, you know, he says, I want to be in the room where it happens. Like that room where they're talking about like, how to challenge people to, seem, to uh-huh. see something and nothing. I don't want to be in that room. Yeah, I don't want to be in that room. Yeah, I want to be... It's in- uninteresting. To me, you know, like you were saying, it's just like, I'm, I, I, that's not, 
even something like, okay, they want you to almost like fill in the blanks by yourself. Like they don't want to do the work to 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 visually, in this case, visually show you something. Let's let's just say, uh, or you know, let's say whatever. We'll use the skill thing again. Even in something like I don't know, like, let's say like a horror movie, the scary movie that doesn't show the the monster, and it lets you make up the monster in your head, and the monster you have in your head is more terrifying than the the one on screen uh, on screen because it's not it's not there. So the the purpose of this is to scare you. So that's what they're doing. But even with something like that, where they're they're giving you the baton to like create your own monster without even with something like that, the only way it works is if they they create something like a vibe or they create something in this case, you know, the analogy of the movie to get you into that space, into that feeling. Everything matters. There's a certain amount of skill that it takes to even create the vibe that's going and and thoughtfulness to create the vibe for you to then fill in the blanks in a really controlled way. Like that's the control is they want you to be scared and they want you to think of the, the monster or something like that. So there's even skill in that before they show you the scary monster that there's this whole like, there's like a buildup to create the world for you to fill in the blanks to be scared. Do you guys remember the Blair Witch Project? Yeah, they would. That was brilliantly yeah, done. Never in that sense, the monster, but it was probably one of the scariest things that I've like to the point where if it went on for another five minutes, I would have just walked out of the movie. Theater. But it wouldn't have been scary if they didn't build it. They didn't build it in that sense. If they were just like, "Hey, we're just going to be hanging out in my front yard and it's sunny out and there's a bunch of people walking by." And they're like, why aren't you scared? I'm challenging you to be scared. Be scared. And I'm like, I'm not scared, man. There's nothing about this that's scary. So the thing is that you still need skill to even do something like that. There has to be like an artistic way, an artistic expression. Like it's fucking lazy to just be like, I'm going to do, I'm going to put a bunch of sperm on the wall. And I'm going to let everybody do everything else. They're going to be the director. They're going to be the writer. They're going to be the, they're going to be like craft services, you know, all these things. It's like, it's lazy in that sense for me. But there are, so I, I agree with that fully, but I'll also say that there's a fun, there's like a really interesting line that I think very few people get into that knows their particular skill set and knows how to use it to great effect. Like for sure. I don't know if it skill does not guarantee that effect. It's like, you know, you can watch really skillful and boring movies for sure. And it's sure. like, you, you want to like really become yourself on that on that quest to where you're an instrument that only could be played your song. Like it has to be you doing it. Yeah. But again, that's where just to sort of jump on what you just said, but to hone that instrument, whatever it is, what you're talking about, I agree. There's a skill in it. There's a skill in honing that instrument whatever that is, whether you are a thinker, whether you are just somebody who likes to, create the um the questions for people to like answer like that can be done at such a high skillful level that it becomes art i think you know I what i mean agree. and then and then 
And then it could be done so lazy. And so like, I'm just not, I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, be, do something outrageous and let everybody do everything. Like it could, it can go both ways. It can go extremely in opposite directions. It can be really dumb and really boring or like, Hey man, that's really thoughtful. I totally agree. And I'm actually just thought of something really demoralizing. Okay. Let me have it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, maybe the point of that bland sperm show was exactly this <laughs> like me who doesn't genius get, you know who doesn't get it goes home and is like god it was just you know outrageous i saw the show it was so boring and it had sperm all over the walls i think i'm doing exactly what the artist wants let's let's stop yeah. talking about it yeah yeah again that was just we're just using that as a um like a placeholder meaning yes. take that out and put in whatever it's the same conversation Meaning we're just using that just so we have like um, uh, something we can grasp onto to move, to move. It's not about the sperm show. It's about the concept. But I think in a way we're doing what you want. So maybe we could just, (laughs) I don't want to obey the sperm overlay. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. But But I do think it's a, it's, it's an interesting thing to have these type of conversations because, you know, people think, oh, well, the type of art you do or something, it's just one dimensional thing. It's meaning it's just one myopic way of looking at stuff. And I'm like, it, no, that's so not true. Just because you see it as this thing, it, you know, we can, we can have conversations that are not just about the results too, you know, meaning a lot of people just kind of pigeonhole us into being like, oh, it's all about the final finished surface. And I'm like, not really. And that's why I actually enjoy these type of conversations a lot because it's like, it's, it's not what I do all the time. Meaning in the studio, these are the type of stuff, this is the type of conversation that I like. And a lot of times you need to start somewhere and wind it up because you don't know where it's going to end up. And sometimes like if I'm lucky, I end up at the other side of this being like, I never even thought of it that way. You know, though, those are the conversations I really like is ending up coming out of it with something I would just like, I would have never gotten there unless it started at that the, as this little snowball and ended up as like a giant snowball down the hill. And wow, look at all the cool stuff that sort of it collected as we were having this, as the ball is going down the hill, it's collecting all these ideas. And like, you can sit there and be like, oh, here are all the ideas that we were sort of discussing. You know, these are ideas I would, just not really when I'm in the studio working by myself or hanging out with the kids, nothing stuff I talk about. So it's yeah, and I, I, I like how you talk about developing, like you were saying, you're not, you're not, I forgot exactly the words you use, but you're still figuring out the type of artist you are. Yeah. You know, and I think that's such an important thing that open endedness because I know people who are closed and that's like, who they want to be and, or not even, I don't know. I'm not going to make a value. I mean, lucky, lucky them then, you know, for, for doing that. But um, I also think that a lot of people I know as we're getting older, again, you know, as you develop and, and mature or evolve, hopefully things change, you know, there's things that I thought about a, a while back that I'm like, I'm, you know, would, not question it, but I'd be like, huh, just didn't think about certain things a certain way five years ago or even a few years ago. 
And I think that's something I'm not saying every artist should be doing that. You know, I don't believe that anybody should be doing anything I do, you know, but like, um, I do like it when I do come across some artists who are like, yeah, even though they, even if the look is relatively the same, like my, my hand's my hand and I'm not going to change that unless it's something, you know, I'm not going to be so like all of a sudden I wake up and like, I have a book of ideas that I'm like hoping to get to soon because I've been sort of backed up with commissions for so long and then the pandemic and all that. So I'm like, I'm behind three, three or four years, you know, but I like, I have a book of ideas and I'm like, I'm so excited to get to, and they're not exactly what I've been doing for a long time. Like if there's, it's probably a completely new direction that said, or so people are like, when I've kind of said this to some of my friends, they were like, so are you going to be doing like completely different work? I'm like, no, it's going to look like my work. It's just different. You know, it's still going to look like my work because I can't help it. I remember I was doing, you know, I've done tiny paintings, little couple inch by couple inch, and I've done nine foot paintings with oil. Like I've done whole sides of buildings with like spray paint and everything, but with oil. And when I knew that I was going to, okay, I'm going to do this nine foot painting. Oh, I'll just huge big brushes and, and I'll just... It won't take me as long as I, people are, oh, it's going to take you forever the way you paint. I'm like, no, dude, I'll just do the same thing I do with bigger brushes and it'll be fine. And you end up just painting the painting. You just end up being you. And I ended up like painting it the way I would paint something pretty small or something pretty medium. And it ended up taking long because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm who I am. So the paintings, hopefully, that I will be doing in the future will be my paintings by my hand no doubt about it, but it will be very vastly different in maybe my heart or my head. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Tony, do you have any potential advice for people? Like if someone is like, I want to be an artist, just like Tony, Sarah and I, Kurnash, you know. (laughs) All of those are welcomed. All of them accepted. Yes, with brilliant paintings and an unpronounceable last name. But seriously, what advice would you have to kind of give artists who are either just starting out or kind of like looking for their way? It's a good question. And it's a tough one to say, this is, here it is, here's the formula, you know, because there is no formula. Things that I thought were formula, um, people did something um, completely off of it. And all of a sudden they were like wildly successful. So there's always opportunities to do something, even if it's outside, you know, the, again, formula or the box. But I would say, one of the things I I say is like, uh, be really curious. Like that's something I wish it was told to me in the beginning, be curious because that curiosity will hopefully um, have sort of developed that skill of knowing how to work hard. And I know that's like, well, what does curiosity have to do with hard work? That, um, that ability to be like, what's around the next corner? What can, how can I get better? Can I get better? I'm going to get better. You know, like that, that, that back and forth between hard work, the tenacity, the curiosity will keep you moving forward like similar to what we were saying in the beginning. So we'll keep you going forward, forward, forward. When we talk about like, um, I think it's hard to do this in the beginning. I'm almost like, I would probably not say this in the beginning, but I would say um, be okay with being uncomfortable and being okay with getting out of being uncomfortable and then getting back into being uncomfortable again, because it's important to have those moments of like success. You need to have those moments. Because if it's always uncomfortable, it's no good. Because then you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just not fun. So it's uh, hard work 
is really, really important. Um, it's as important, more important than s- skill, you know, and you get skill by hard work or even talent. Like I know people are like, I'm not talented. I'm like, so work at it. You'll, you know, you'll have, you'll get your form of talent, you know, whatever that is. So a lot, a lot of hard work. Um, you know, it's weird nowadays because of the, you know, the type of work uh, we do, um, you're not going to get it at a university. You know, if you want to do the type of art that we do, a lot of it is more atelier stuff now. And they're popping up everywhere. Not all of them are great. Some are really great. Some are like, you know, just somebody who's going to start their own studio. But at least it's a place for, for to do that. There's a huge amount of information now. We, I didn't have nearly the amount of information coming up as there is now. Like you can get so much information. As much as I'm like love pencils and paint and old school stuff, like certain things about technology are pretty cool. There's an enormous amount of information you can get and find out certain things and sort of move forward a little bit as as opposed to just being like I don't know what to do anymore. I think as far as being an artist. Also, there's so many different avenues you can take. Are you going to be a concept artist? Are you going to be a fine artist? Are you going to work in film? Are you going to be an illustrator? Are you going to go the way of the, like, you know, um, social media? Like, that's a thing now. You know, it's hard for me to do that. But then, you know, this better than anybody, anyone, Dina, is like the ability to have like social media out there. It could be evil and it could fuck you up, but it also can be a lifeline for some people, because, you know, back in the days we had the galleries and you were subjected to the gallery's whim. And if you didn't do what they wanted, like you were screwed. And they, the thing about the galleries is that they might have 30 artists and they didn't have to sell your work. They just had to sell a work. And you were sort of regulated to, unless you were one of the few who were able to be like one of the, 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 the top people in the, in the roster. Um, you have the ability to make your own, thing your own path now and i think that's something very interesting i don't know if it's for me but i think it's very interesting to be able to have the ability if you're clever you work really hard like all the stuff i'm talking about it could be utilized in so many different ways so when we're even marshall even when we're talking about skill and all that stuff like it's an important thing to have because it translates to everything the skill, the hard work to be able to work your way through something. A lot of what we do, I don't want to boil, like simplify what we do as painters or artists. A lot of it is just problem solving. We're just, we have this problem, the, the idea, whatever it is, the painting that's in front of us, the sculpture. How do I solve it the best way and make it beautiful? whatever that is. So a lot of it is problem solving. So if you have skill and you know how to do something well, it translates to everything. It it can translate to anything. So if you're familiar how to make a really hard painting and you have the toolbox of skills, all different skills, to be able to work your way through the process and come out the end and repeat it over and over. That's the other thing is to be able to repeat it. That's why I'm always so, um, I'm such an advocate of skill is because you wanted to have something that's repeatable. If you want to make a living out of it, you can't just close your eyes and wish dumb luck 
if you have a family to feed or if you want to be successful or if you want to have a a purpose of being an artist is that if you have skill, if you have a toolbox of stuff that you can always rely on to be able to get through and get the, 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 the vision out and be able to do it over and over and over, you can one, have a career and you can take that same um, ability and apply it to other parts of your life. I do believe in that. I do believe, like I know people who are really good really exceptional at something. Generally speaking, if you wanted them to do something else and they have that familiarity of how to do something hard, they'll do really, they'll probably do pretty well after a little bit of work and getting the language a little bit, like getting familiar with the language, they'll probably be pretty good at just about anything. And Tony, I, I agree. Like I'm someone who love skill as much as the next person and teaches it. I, I'm just sort of advocating that it's not, it's, it's, you know, that, that you got to be this tall to ride the ride. You have to, yeah. you have to know how to do stuff, but art is so much more complicated and strange and beautiful than just. It is. And skill. I agree. What you're saying is completely right is like the first part of it right it's like well it's the it's the introduction it's a base layer and then you can yeah. build anything you want on top of it then if that base layer is like wonky or not there or like you can't have a building without a foundation well, well, uh, well i know this and i say this when i teach because i do a fair amount of teaching too i i often say look I'm, i don't want to teach you how to be an artist that's not my really my job in the beginning. You know, it's not my job to teach you how to be an artist. You're an artist. We're all artists in, in one way or another. I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to try to do them. And I'm going to try to also emphasize how these tools are artistic or how they can apply to you as an artist. I say that. And then in the conversation, let's say it's a week workshop or it's whatever, you inevitably break off into what it's like to be an artist in the spirit and the beauty and all the stuff you're talking about, the complicated parts, all the stuff that isn't skill-based. That's part of it. It's an incredibly important part of it. I agree 100%. But I can't teach that to somebody in the beginning because I feel like I'm like, you can influence somebody and you can inspire somebody to, to have their voice. But it's not my job to, for people to, to give people their voice. It's not fair. So, um, so the best thing I can do is teach them skills. And if I'm a thoughtful teacher, I would also combine it with what, what, what we're talking about, like the, 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 the philosophy, the artistic ideas, the expression, the, the heart and the soul, you know, all that stuff. That's a good teacher. Well, hopefully we'll do that. And I'm still trying to learn how to be better at that. So I think that's important to do, but I do think in the beginning, it's really good to sort of focus. And like you were saying, Dina, to build a foundation, because I know this, and I know this, at least my experience, I feel and I'm not saying I got there yet, but all what we talked about, and this would be a good way to kind of wrap it up. The reason I'm talking, even talking to you, because a lot of people who know my work, they want to be like, how, what brushes do you use? And what kind of paint do you use? And how do you do that thing? But the thing is, is yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all well and good. 
the reason why we talked, I feel like we talked about what we talked about today and it wasn't necessarily like pinpointing anything exact. A lot of it was like, I don't know. It's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like, feel like what I was saying about like trying to grab mist or something like, I even feel like the conversation had a little bit of that going on. We weren't being really specific and like, this is what, this is what it is. I'm right. That said, like the reason why is because I feel like at this point in my career, I've gotten to the point skill-wise that I can be free. Do you know what I mean? Like I can be free to do whatever the hell I want because I know that I have a foundation, a base that I can hopefully fall back on when I'm in the woods. Like here's the clear path I made for myself. I really want to go off-roading now. And if I get too lost, I know that the path, I know where the path is. I can get back to it. It'll orientate myself to be able to go off-roading as much as I want. Hopefully, if there's something I want to see, something I want to explore. So I do think by having a certain amount of the language, the skill, whatever you want to call it, will enable you to be free. I know a lot of people are always like, sorry, Dina, interrupt you. But oh, oh, by doing that, you're going to kill your creativity and you're going to kill... by being too skill-like oriented, you're going to kill your creativity. You're going to be like a robot or something, whatever. I don't believe it. I think that if you, like, if you were, if you were a, a dancer, I don't know, I'm trying to pull something out of the air, and you trained your body to be strong and be able to jump and do whatever you want to do and be able to do any movement you want to do, then any movement's possible. You could do whatever you want. You could be as abstract as you want because your body can handle it and your body can do it and it'll listen to you. Or you can do very rigid, very A, B, C movements. And I feel like that with art too. Like you can be, you can be the artist that is just about like the, the skill and the finish and that's fine. Or you could be the artist that is really like in, in outer space. But I do feel like if you're either the, the common thread that I think is going to be good for both is to have a foundation of something that you can always rely on. And it, that could be something that is more like skill-based. This was great, Tony. Thanks so much. Marshall. <laughs> that was so much fun. I dig the old school Metallica shirt. I'm digging that. Uh, thank you so much. Hey, thank you for listening and coming along with us on this long journey. I hope you got some good takeaways from this interview. I want to let you know that we have an official Art Grind podcast hotline now. So call us and let us know what sort of creative projects you have going on during these crazy times. Let us know what's on your mind and we'll play it on our next episode. The number is 929-267-4830. Again, it's 929-267-4830. You can find us at artgrindpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. And if you feel like supporting us financially, you can easily hit that donate button on our website. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review on iTunes. That will really help us. We love all the support we get from our listeners and hope to do our best to bring you more great interviews for you. So be safe out there and stay on the grind.